You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We are on the third installment of our series called Walk the Talk. On this series, we've been looking into the book of Psalms, specifically Psalm 119. Today, we will have Psalm 119 verses 41 down to verse 48. That's what we're going to be covering here today. We are in Psalm 119 verses 41 to 48. Would you read this with me for a while, beginning with verse 41? It says here, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts, according to the psalmist. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame, for I find delight in your commandments, O Lord, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. All right, let me just start this off by asking questions, or at least perhaps two questions. I just want these questions hanging over your head as we go through Psalm 119 verses 41 to 48. So perhaps this is the first question. As a Christian, at least this is for the believers, as a Christian at this stage and point in your life, here's my first question. Where does God's word place in your life in terms of priority and value. Alright? I'd like for you to assess that for a while. Ano nga ba yung word ni God sa buhay ko? Alright? So, which is a priority in my life? Perhaps a good assessment of that would be to think, which is more prioritized in my day-to-day life? Is it God's word or social media? Is it God's word or newspaper? Is it God's word or Netflix? Alright, so I want you to have that answer in your mind. Alright, so asam po yung word ni God in terms of its value and priority in your life. Here's the next question. Have you at one point in your Christian walk felt envious of other people who seem to be free in doing what they love to do? Right, so meaning to say, look at the things that the people in the world has, you look at how they live their life, and to a certain extent, you feel envious of what they have and the things that they're doing. And here you are, here you are, you need to guard your integrity, guard your, you know, your walk with the Lord. You put many of these, you know, different boundaries and quote-unquote rules in your life so that you won't fall. And sometimes you feel envious of other people who don't have any restrictions in their life. Alright, so let me just put those two questions for a while because you will be needing those two questions as we go through Psalm 119. I've been wrestling over this text for hours. Wrestling in such a way that I've always wanted to look at Scripture and find perhaps the best way to understand it and the best way to teach it. Alright, so after looking into this, I realized here's what we have for today. I realized that these eight verses that we have here today, we can actually glean on and take two petitions. There are two petitions in these verses. I'm going to show that to you later. When I say petitions, there are two petitions or two prayers 
or two prayer requests in these eight verses. And interestingly, there are also several, if I'm not mistaken, four. There are actually four patterns or commitments that we find in these verses. I'm going to show that to you later. So I'd like for you to understand that these two things should come together. Everybody say this with me for a while. Prayer and commitment. All right? So when you come before the Lord and you have prayers in your life, I'd like for you to understand that it has to come with some commitments. Hindi po pwedeng puro prayer na lang, puro petition na lang, pero walang commitment yung life mo. Alright, are folks getting a picture? Prayer and commitment, they come together. Hindi pwedeng puro hingi, pero walang ambag. Catch it? So, even in your barkada, you know that, right? Even in the family, hindi pwedeng puro hingi, pero wala kang ambag. It has to come together. Prayer and commitment has to come together. So, for us, as Christians, we are prayerful people. Amen? Alright? We are prayerful people. But not just that, we are also committed people. Alright? We are also committed people. So the level of or the intensity of your prayer should also be the intensity of your commitment. Amen? Alright, let's get into this now. Look at this. Here are two things that I'd like first to look into. I realized that there are two petitions here. The first one is found in verse 41. It says here, Lord, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. He says, your salvation according to your promise. That's the first petition or first prayer that the psalmist wrote here. The second one, he says, Lord, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, because he says, for my hope is in your rules. Alright? So, what we're gonna do here is that we're gonna look at these two petitions first, then we're gonna go look into the different commitments that the psalmist showed or has written here. Let me go with the first one. It says here, Psalm 119, verse 41. He says here, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Alright? Now, what's interesting here is, when you look at verse 41, the word steadfast love, in its original Hebrew, is the word hesed. Alright? Now, when we preach here, as much as possible, we don't really have to show you the original Hebrew of all of this, but just for this specific instance, there's something that I'd like first to understand. I've looked into the different translations for this, and different translations would translate the word hesed differently. Alright? So, that doesn't happen too often. Say, for instance, other Bible translations would say, it's not steadfast love, but it is mercies. Other translation says, it's not just steadfast love, but it's loving kindnesses. Alright? So, what's the point? There are certain words in Hebrew that simply cannot be easily translated to English. Or let me put it this way. There are words in its original Hebrew that cannot be encapsulated with one word in English. Catch it? So, say for instance, when you look at the word hesed, it simply means steadfast love. But not just steadfast love, hesed is also mercy. Hesed is also compassion. Hesed is also loving kindness. Alright? So, the word, one word, hesed, that you have in its original Hebrew, is actually explained differently in English. Are you guys getting a picture? Alright? So, it's compassion, it's mercy, it's loving kindness. I want us to understand, mabigat tong word na to. Alright? So, this word 
is actually substantial in a sense that no English word can actually encapsulate what said really means. Now, here's the thing. If I look at the word steadfast love, I look at the word mercy, I look at the word mercies, I look at the word loving kindnesses, I realize that you have to understand that the word said is not just emotion. Alright? So, this is not some cute word. It's not just emotion. Why? Look at this. It says here, if we try to use the word said, it says here, let your said. I'm saying it's not just emotion because it says here, your said should come to me. Right? If it is just emotion, if it is just emotion, then it should be written this way. Let your said be felt in my life. Isn't it? Sometimes our prayer are like this. Lord, give me some signs. Right? So Lord, I want to, quote unquote, feel your presence. Alright? Lord, I want to experience that's why in some congregation, every time they worship together, they call it worship experience. Truth of the matter is, it's not just experience. Come on now. For said, it's not just talking about emotion. Hindi po yan, Lord, magparamdam ka. Hindi po ganun yan. Alright? The very words, come to me. Everybody say this with me for a while. Come to me. Alright? So the psalmist was saying, let your said come to me. It gives us a picture that said involves action. Catch it? said involves action. So it's not just feeling. It's not just emotion. It's not just perceiving God. It's actually realizing that something is happening. Now let me just go further. Let me just explain this further. The word promise here, it says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. The word promise here, in its original Hebrew is the word imra, which means uttered word. So, let me just put it this way. Merong pinanggagalingan yung samist. Alright? He wasn't just saying, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. It wasn't just like that. He says, let your steadfast love, let your hesed come to me, O Lord, according to what you have said in the past. Come on now. Alright, so there's a context to this. The reason why there was confidence in the part of the psalmist was there was an uttered word in the past. Let me explain this further. Look at this. It says here, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. Come on now. O Lord. So he zeroes in on the steadfast love in the presence of the Lord. Now, the Lord here, as we understand, is capital L, O, R, and D. So, the Lord here, as we understand, is the very name of God. Pag nakita niyo po yung Bible at sinabing capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's equivalent to the name of God, which is Yahweh. Alright? Are you folks following? So, pag hindi po capital yan, there can be actually different definitions of Lord's. Or Lord in the Bible. So it says here, when the psalmist came before God, he says, Let your hesed come to me, O Yahweh. There's something that you need to understand here, and it is this. When you say Yahweh, this was what? This was the very name. Ever say the very name? This was the very name of God revealed to his covenant people only. Alright? So meaning to say, if you are not an Israelite, if you do not belong to the people of the Lord, to the covenant people of God, 
you lose the right to call God Yahweh. Catch it? You read this in the Bible, right? Other nations can simply say what? The God of Israel, the God of the Israelites. So they're looking from a distance, but they lose the right to call Him Yahweh. Because only the Jewish people in this case are the covenant people of God. Alright? So this is a special mention that we have here. So no one in other nations, what's beside Israel, no one in Jordan, in Egypt, in Syria, none from this nation will have the right to call for what? To call for the Hesed of God if they do not belong to the people of God. So Hesed, to come before God and ask God for Hesed is reserved for the people of God. Catch it? And like what I said, Hesed is not just tingling sensation. This isn't just emotion. This is, come on now, this is God doing something in our midst. God doing something in our circumstances. And this was the prayer of the psalmist. He says, let your hesed come to me, O Lord. Right? Come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. In essence, here's what we can have. Not too many people can simply cry out and say, Lord, let your hesed come to me. Because in response, God could actually tell them, what do you mean? Go to your God. Go to Baal. Because Hesed belongs to the people of God. Alright, are folks following? Now, here's the thing. I want to look at these four words. Look at the words steadfast love, salvation, O Lord, and promise. These two, steadfast love and salvation are actually connected. So Hesed has something to do with salvation. Now, a lot of times, in our context right now, every time you think about salvation, you're already talking about the salvation of your souls, isn't it? Right? In the Old Testament, it's not always like that. Salvation simply means God will have to intervene to save them. From its very root, save. Meaning to say, he was, the psalmist at this junction, was in a tight situation. Now, let me just ask this question for a while. Is there anyone of you here, at one point in your life, you were in a very difficult circumstance? I guess all of us, isn't it? Remember back in college, right? When you are about to fail a subject that was a difficult circumstance. Remember your relationships, your fiancé got so mad with you and all of those things. You needed God's intervention. Remember your times in the hospital, in the ICU, in the ER, you would need God's intervention. So I'd like for us to understand that in that context, in that picture, that is the salvation that we're talking about here. So steadfast love has said is connected to salvation. Catch it? Now, here's the thing. Lord or Yahweh is actually connected to promise. So meaning to say, if you are not a recipient of Imra, if you were not a recipient of the uttered word, there's no promise to hold on to. Catch it? So if you were not a recipient of God's uttered word, there's no promise to hold on to. And again, this belongs to the people of Yahweh. Now, I want to ask a question for a while. Here's my question. Who am I here today can actually say that there are moments in your life wherein you felt like you would need the hesed of the Lord? Right? By strict definition of hesed, not just emotion, but God doing something. So I would make an assumption that all of us at one point in our life or perhaps at one point in our future, in the future, we would need the hesed of the Lord, isn't it? 
Alright? We would need the intervention of God for God to do something about our difficult situation. Now, here's the next question. Now, this is for all of us. Look at this. So, what qualifies us, what qualifies you to say prayers of this kind? What qualifies us? So, if I tell these things to every people out there, this sounds like a good news. Oh, there's such a thing as I said. So, but the next question is, what qualifies you to pray such kinds of prayer? Right? What qualifies us? Because at the end of the day, kahit anong sigaw mo kay Lord, okay, kahit anong sigaw mo kay Lord, kahit anong cry out mo kay Lord, Diyos ko, Diyos ko, tulungan mo ako. At the end of the day, ang tanong sa'yo is, Sino bang Diyos mo? If people keep crying out to God, perhaps during, I don't know, during September 11, whatever, whatever calamity, the cry of the people are what? My God, help us, help me, help me, Lord. The next question there is, who is your God? To whom are you crying out to? You can't come before God and tell God just during difficult situation, you come before God and tell God, Ah, Diyos, Ama, please help me. Because at the end of the day, minsan, ang Diyos natin, hindi po yung Diyos, Ama, kundi pera. So going back to the question, what qualifies us to cry out such kinds of prayer? And here it is. What qualifies us is this. Yahweh is also our God. Amen? Yahweh is also our God because of, come on now, because of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why I keep telling everyone, if you get to the scripture, there's such beauty in it because it points us to Christ. So apart from Christ, you lose the right to call God Yahweh. You lose the right to what? To call on said from the Lord apart from the person and work of Christ. I look at this, I realize that we as Christians are now inside the covenant circle of God's covenant people because of what Christ has done on the cross. Now, I know that this is something that isn't new to us. We know what Christ did for us on the cross. You know what Christ accomplished for us. And I look at this, I realize that as a believer... You and I, we now have this privilege to ask for the said of God. Amen? We now have the privilege. I have to say, it is a privilege because in the first place, you folks do not deserve it. We now have the privilege to call for the said of God. But guess what? Guess what? Before we say those kinds of prayer, before we pray for said. Our prayer request should be first to understand what Hesed is. For us to understand what Hesed is, because Hesed is rooted in the promise. And who are the recipients of God's promise? God's covenant people. What is displayed in this promise? The covenant faithfulness of God. So we have to understand it first. So our first prayer before Hesed. Is this prayer, our prayer ought to be that you would experience the breath and the death of God's love for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no point 
in crying out for he said, if you do not understand God's love for you in Christ Jesus. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I realized, okay, this is a gospel issue. Come on now, victory dumagete. This is a gospel issue. At the end of the day, we have to understand that his has said is rooted in his love. His love was displayed in our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we understand the breadth and the depth of God's love for us, as stated in the gospel, this is where we will have the confidence to cry out for the said of God. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. I look at this and I realize, okay, what's one application for us in this generation right now? Here's one application for us. It tells me then, that my heart should be gospel-saturated every single day. My heart should be gospel-saturated. In order for me to understand the said, I need to understand the gospel first. Alright? Now, look at this. Why should your heart be gospel-saturated? Let me just go down. Verse 41 is like the hinge in these eight verses. Look at what happens in verse 42. Interestingly, the psalmist actually gives us a reason why. He gives us a reason why he needs his salvation. Look at verse 42. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. So, specifically speaking, if you read the entire summary 19, you would realize that the psalmist were going through different things. Different issues in life. The same issues that you encounter. Here's one of his issues. One of his issues was the world was becoming so attractive. Right? So it's like, it's like I'm walking in the path that God has given me and yet I look to the right, the world is becoming so attractive. I feel like I'm being pulled to the world. That's one of his issues. But in this specific context, that wasn't his issue. The predominant issue in his life was what? He was walking in the path that God has given him. And guess what? What happened here? Look at verse 42. It tells us that there were people who were taunting him. There were people who were mocking him. There were people who were insulting him. There were people who were criticizing him. Now, let me just pause there for a while. I want to ask this question. Who am I here? At certain points in your life, you have experienced being criticized being insulted, being mocked, and being disrespected. All of us, right? Haven't you noticed? In our generation right now, because of the internet, there's so much anger and rage out there. Brought by what? Brought by politics. Brought by different kinds of circumstance. So we live in a very angry world. A fallen, angry world. And guess what? Let me tell you this. Whoever you are, whatever stage you are in your life right now, you will receive heaps of what? Of insults, of mockery, of criticism, whether about your faith or even not about your faith. That's just how hostile our world is right now. So for the psalmist, he was receiving a lot of this mockery, a lot of this persecution because of his walk with the Lord. So, 
if that was what was happening to him, and, I st- and we try to apply this in our life right now, and I say, Lord, I'm getting all of these criticisms, and many of them are unfair criticisms. Lord, in the office, I'm the one who's working hard, and yet they call me sip-sip. I'm doing this because I'm a Christian. Lord, in the classroom, I'm the one who's not going with the group when they do crazy things. And yet, in the classroom, they heap mockery at me. They persecute me. That was the instance that we have here. Now, if that is your situation, or that will be your situation down the road, I want you to understand, your heart can only have two things. Here it is. It's either your heart is gospel-sufficient or gospel-deficient. Here's my promise. I promise you, Victory Dumagetan, that you will be mocked, that you will be insulted, all right? That you will be laughed upon. Perhaps, look at this, outside the church or even inside the church, you could get criticisms. You would get all of these criticisms. So at the end of the day, your heart as Christians, as believers, yung heart niya po, either lang po, ngayon na, ngayon, ngayon mismo, Yung heart mo ngayon, your heart right now, that's either gospel-sufficient or gospel-deficient. So what happens now? Here's what happens. How you respond depends on the condition of your heart. When someone comes to you and insults you and tells you, walwal ka, ano sasabihin mo? Pag gospel deficient ka, sasabihin mo, walwalpud ka. Mas walwal ka. True story yan. Isipin nyo lang kung sino. So our response, our response to people's mockery, to people's insults, will depend on the condition of our heart. For the psalmist, he says, Lord, he wasn't denying the situation. It wasn't like as if it's not happening. No, he's crying out to God, Lord, let your steadfast come. Lord, let your head come to me. Let yourself, Lord, save me from these taunting people. Save me, Lord, from these mockers. Save me, Lord, from these people who are lying and destroying my reputation. And yet he says, then I shall have an answer for those who taunt me. Because why? He says, look at this. Because he trusts in God's word. He trusts in God's word. He says he can answer them because his trust is in God's word. This might sound so basic, but I'd like for us to understand this at the end of the day. What we say reveals what? Reveals what our heart trusts. If people mock you for how you look, if people mock you for anything physical, the next question there is, what does God's word say about you? If you're confused with your identity, I've talked about this on the first Sunday, if classmate so-and-so, friend so-and-so is like quote-unquote coming out, and now you're getting so confused as a Christian, the basic thing here is, what does God's word say about you? What are God's thoughts about male and female? If people are telling you, Kevin, you ought to be doing this. I want to introduce someone to you, Kevin. Beautiful, available. And here's Kevin saying that, okay, this person is really attractive. 
But what does the Word of God say about relationships? The problem there is that the person isn't a Christian. So what do I do now? So it's either we're gospel sufficient or gospel deficient. Look at this. Here's the next petition. The next petition is, he says, Lord, take not the word of truth. Come on now. I love that. I love that. You folks realize we live in a post-truth world. And here's his prayer. Lord, I pray that the word of truth will remain in me. That was his prayer. That you will take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For my hope is in your rules. Interesting. What the psalmist is actually teaching us is that we don't just pray for the gospel to be so embedded deeply in our hearts. But he also prays for what? For the gospel to be spoken out of our heart. Kung nakabaon po ng malalim yan, ilalabas natin yan. Kung superficial lang yung belief mo, you won't think about evangelism and stuff like that. Look at verse 43. He says, For my hope is in your rules. What comes out of our mouth shows what's hidden in our heart. Isn't it? Right? But not just that, it also shows where our hope is. So the hope that we hold on to is that which we will tell people about or testify people about. Now look at this. Those are the two prayers. And here's what's interesting. I realized that there's a pattern at which this psalmist lives his life. Look at this. He shows us four I wills. That's his four I wills. Yes, he has his own prayer and petition. Ang ganda ka ng prayer niya kasi ang prayer niya, Lord, let your steadfast. It's all what? It's all an appeal to the sovereignty of the Lord. An appeal to what? To what God can do in his life. So he realized that he needs to pray for the word of truth to be retained in his life. But not just that, he also makes a commitment. And here's his commitment. He says, Lord, I will keep your law continually. He also says, Lord, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings. He also says, Lord, I will lift my hands toward your commandments. And he says, Lord, I will meditate on your statutes. Interesting. If this is your first time or you didn't start this series, it may be good for you to go into the first week of this series. He makes four I wills. Let's begin with the first one. It says here, I will keep your law continually forever and ever. Well, that's interesting. What's his first commitment? To obey God's word. That's his first commitment. His first commitment was to obey God's word. So the psalmist, like what he said, is telling every single one of us here today that prayer and commitment should go hand in hand. Amen. Prayer and commitment should go hand in hand. Hindi po pwedeng malakas ka lang sa prayer, kulang sa commitment. Hindi po pwedeng malakas ka sa commitment, pero sa simula lang. Come on now. Why do I say it sa simula lang? Because it says here, I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. So hindi siya nagliliyab sa umpisa lang on the first few months of his Christianity. By the time it's like 58, 63, he's still walking strong in the Lord. He wasn't saying, oh, this is just for kids. 
This is just for teenagers. I've been a Christian for four decades now, for three decades now. The issues of the world will not change. In fact, you folks should realize that the world is actually spiraling down. So all the more, our prayer and commitment should actually come hand in hand. Kwame can say that as a Christian, you cannot obey perfectly. Can't, right? I simply cannot obey perfectly. It's just so impossible. Paul actually said that. If you folks are telling me right now, Archie, there's no perfect obedience. I cannot obey perfectly. All right, we're on the same page. Here's my next question. And I want you to answer this in your mind right now. Is your life, is your life marked by repentance and obedience? Question po. Kailan ka last nag-repent? When? When was the last time you actually repented over some mundane, small things in your life? It could be not even a sin. So if our life is not marked by punctuated repentance and small and big obedience, then tells us you're actually not obeying God's word. I like this because he says, Lord, I will keep your law, look at this, continually forever and ever. You know what it means? It simply means that as he committed to God and told God, Lord, I'm going to obey you. He says continually forever and ever. You know what it means? It simply means that he's looking at the horizon. He's looking at the horizon. You folks remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before they got there, they resolved in their hearts that they will not defile themselves. So for them, they're looking at the horizon down the road. God might bring me to Chicago. God might bring me to France. God might bring me to Malta, wherever. When God brings me there and I get there, I will obey God continually. You don't resolve now. You won't obey later. Come on now. Here you are. You're a fresh graduate. You're 21. You're full of zeal. So you look at the horizon. Where might God bring me down the road? God might bring me to a corporate office. So make your resolutions now that you're going to obey God continually. Then he says, forever and ever. I like that. You know what it means? He's looking at the horizon. He's looking at the horizon. He will obey God continually to the time that what? That obedience is already made perfect. And that is when Christ comes back in all His glory. Hanggang kailan tayo mag-obey? Hanggat bumalik si Lord, friends. Yet obedience is a commitment. You can say, nag-pandemic bitaw? So, okay rin eh. I'm so stressed at work, so a little bit of this might be okay. Well, I'm not here to tell you what's okay and what is not okay. Get it to God's word. You don't make excuses just because it's pandemic, because I lost this, because this happened. Obedience is a commitment. Can I tell my wife and wake up one day, ah, sweetheart, put it today, hindi mo na tayo kasal? That's not commitment. So obedience is actually commitment. Look at this. It says here in verse 45, the latter part of verse 45, it says here, I have sought your precepts. Folks, listen. 
you realize that's very interesting for him to say, I have sought your precepts. You know why? Look at this. All of us here, I'll make an assumption. And I think this is a good assumption. All of us here, we desire to get into God's Word, isn't it? Diba parang, man, gusto ko magbasa ng Bible. Gusto ko makapag-CBTL. Gusto ko makapag-Starbucks. So that I'll have my quote-unquote quiet time, my devotion. All of us desire. Now look at this. It didn't say here, I have desired your precepts. No. It says here, I have sought your precepts. You know what it means? I have pursued your precepts. What happens to you when Wi-Fi at home is intermittent? Come on now. What happens to you? Oh, there's no Wi-Fi. What do you do now? You sought it out. You pursue it. You call PLDT. Either you go to Starbucks. You will move mountains to have your internet. My question now, friends, is this. Listen. Look at this. Have you been pursuing God's precepts? As much as we pursue food, entertainment, and the likes. Iba po yung desire. Yung desire, wishful thinking lang minsan. When circumstances align, when I have money for Starbucks and stuff like that, in the first place, why do I have to go to Starbucks? A man of the world will get in God's word anytime, any day, anywhere in his life. Whatever circumstance. He has pursued God's precepts. Look at this. This is where honor God, make disciples come in. Pursuing God's precept is thinking this way. How can I honor God in this situation? Oh, someone's taunting me, someone's mocking me. That's the context here. So how can I honor God in this situation? What's the result if you pursue the precepts of God? What's the result if you pursue the precepts of God? Look at this, and I love this. The result of pursuing the precepts of God is you will walk in a wide place. Really? If I pursue, what's precepts, by the way? It's the same thing that we said last time. I'll tell it to you now. Rules. And we don't want to hear the word rules because like what I said, we live in a very antinomous world. Ordinances, statutes, commandments. So it says here, what the psalmist is teaching us is, if I pursue the precepts of God, I will walk in a wide place. Oh, that's interesting. You know why? Because it tells us then that when we think of precepts, we feel like it confines us. It restricts us. Have you ever been in a hotel, a dormitory, a boarding house where it's just so tight? It's like, you're going to go to the restroom? I'll sit down first. It's like only one person can fit in, in an alley and stuff like that. Our understanding of precepts is, ah, ayoko ng rules. Napaka-legalistic naman sa church na yan. You know what the psalmist is telling us? He's actually telling us, if you pursue the precepts, all the more you will walk in wide places. So in the precepts of God, there's freedom, there's joy, there's liberty for that matter. Baliktad po. We feel like rules are restricting us. When in fact, the psalmist is teaching us that rules actually frees us. I'm going to show you this two illustration. This first building, let's assume that this is a 
10-story building. All of you parents, would you allow your three-year-old to play on the roof deck of that building? You won't. No crazy parent will. Next, the boundaries. Parents, would you be more confident to have your three-year-old play in that kind of a building? Of course you would. The boundaries give more freedom. You remove the boundary, all the more that you're worried, you're anxious. When we live in sin, as Christians sometimes, when we live in sin, all the more you're paranoid. You're paranoid. You bring a girl to the hotel and you're paranoid. Are there church people here? Sana naman, wala. Tapos sabi sa ng receptionist, Wala. Di ba sa victory ka? Hindi ba ikaw tukar-tukar? We are more anxious, we're more nervous, we're tiptoeing. Why is that so? And then you call out the church, you tell them, the church is so legalistic. No! The church is not so legalistic. It's just that the Holy Spirit is quickening God's Word in your life. And sometimes, ako personally, I will talk to people. Yes, I tell people do's and don'ts. I tell people, don't do this. Do it if you want to destroy your life. Up to you. But it's not being legalistic. It's being realistic. So for the psalmist, he was saying, the precepts of God allows me to walk in wide places. There is freedom in obedience, friends. Don't keep saying, ah, I'm already forgiven. I'm already a Christian. Ah, God's grace is always there. God's mercy is new every morning. Gane. It's true, your union with God won't be affected, but your communion with the Lord is so smeared. You don't have life in you anymore. Secondly, he says, his attitude is to preach God's word. Look at this. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. I like that. You know what the psalmist is saying? By the way, the psalmist is not David. He was saying, I want you to understand is some of you here today, you will be standing before the quote-unquote kings and queens of the land. You will be standing before your professors, influential people. You will be standing before your parents. You will be standing before colleagues, before your bosses, your managers, your supervisors. What the psalmist is telling us is this to speak of God's testimonies. Huwag po masyadong maingay sa social media lang. But we ought to be preaching God's word. Please stop saying that my life is a preaching. Yes, it is to a certain extent. But please just separate practice from preaching. Gospel declaration is different from gospel demonstration. Gospel demonstration will simply back up your gospel proclamation. But first, when you say preaching, it always will always involve words. Young students, speak up. Preach God's word to your classmates. 
Preach God's word to your professors. When your professors are teaching you garbage, stand up and challenge those ideas. If you get an F, please don't tell me it's because of me. Just accept the F. <laughs> At least your integrity is intact. What do you do with that F? I don't know. Ask God for His said. <laughs> Next one is this. Treasure God's Word. Look at verse 48. I will lift my hands toward your commandments. It's actually a figure of speech. You lift your hands to that which you respect. Anong point na to? Ang sabi ng Samis is, ang taas raw po ng respeto niya sa word ni God. Taas ng respeto niya sa word ni Lord. That's why he treasures God's word. Have you noticed how crazy people are with their cell phones? Right? Do you have friends who are like that? Parang, nagkaroon lang ng smudge ng kamay, parang, nabasag lang ng konti yung screen. Why is that so? Because we respect that which we value. We value that which we respect. So what's the placement of God's Word in your life? And lastly is this. Lastly is this. Look at this. I will meditate on your statutes. I like that. What is meditation? Hey bro, have you meditated today? Oh, I've read God's Word today. No, no, no. Look at this. Reading is different from meditating. Magkaiba po. Pag sinabi mong binasa mo, it doesn't mean na nag-meditate ka. Reading is different from meditating. In Bisay, it's what? Gipamalandong. Right? Tama ba? Is it right? What is meditate? What do you mean you meditate? You make tambay. Sino sa inyo, former life nyo, tambay? You know what I'm talking about? Mahilig kang tumambay sa... I was like that back in high school. Ano yung tinatambayan mo? Tinatambayan mo yung mga lugar that gives you delight. Where your friends are. That's where stories happen. That's where conversations happen. In the same way, that's what meditating is. What is meditating? Here's another thing. Meditating is reading scripture and understanding in light of redemptive history what is the placement of this text. That makes you fall in love with God's word. Hindi parang, ah, four chapters, check. Three chapters, check. And leadership 113. But you try to understand this. Look at this. I'm reading Psalm 119. I realize, how does this point me to Christ? And I read verse 14. Man, this points me to Christ. Here's another thing. You can write this down actually. Here's another thing. What character of God is revealed? While you're reading, while you're reading, what character of God is revealed? Hindi naman laging holiness ni God lang yung reveal dyan, right? When you read certain texts, you realize God is a benevolent God. You realize
is that God can become angry. That God is a jealous God. And it has its own context. It reveals to you the very character of God that He is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. Here's another thing. What is revealed in my heart? Have you noticed this? If you meditate on God's Word, you will see your own sinfulness. It always happens to me, God's character is revealed, but not just that, my sinfulness is being surfaced. I'm like, ah, what na How does this point to Christ? It's like, you folks love coffee? Like, great warm coffee in the morning? You can just gulp it all down, right? You sip it. You enjoy it. You won't enjoy it with sugar and creamer. <laughs> Let me end with this. Let me just go back to verse 41 and I'm going to end with this. Look at this. Verse 41. It says here, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. I did say that yes, this has said is for a particular situation. But I want you to understand this. There is an ultimate chesed. Who am I can analysis tell me right now that you have some needs in your life? Right? What are some of our immediate needs? Look at this. Some of our immediate needs are healing. Provision for finance, provision for kids, provision for tuition. Those are many of our immediate needs. But I want you to understand this. God does not just deal with that. He has also dealt with your ultimate need and that is what the salvation of your souls the ultimate said is this that the imra spoken uttered word has become the living word in christ jesus our lord at the end of the day i look at this as long as i have christ it is well with my soul You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.